I don't know what is happening here with these soft on crime policies. I don't know why people who live in L.A. voted for the D.A. I don't know why people in L.A. didn't vote to recall him. He's just justifying, totally undermining the entire justice system, yes. the entire system. This is the place where accountability is held. Yes. And there is no accountability anymore. No. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor and writer producer of Criminal Minds. And with me today, oh, not from afar is hi everybody it's francie hakes former state and federal prosecutor and executive producer of the upcoming audible production next level the brian branch story yeah and we are actually in the same room we're literally about six inches apart yes everybody. right here we're back together again it's like the old days butch and sundance we're like butch and sundance but let's not go off a cliff uh i didn't know they did you live on a cliff let's I not do that oh wait that, that was Thelma and louise yes. anyway same How thing she confused <laughs> And Sundance and Thelma and Louise. Classic partnerships, she, Jim. Perfect. Jim and Francis. Perfect Thelma example Louise, of aging. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so here we are. And today we're going to uh, talk about some, well, some serious cases. And I want to start with one that, you know, it may not be a traditional case like that we covered, but this is this is really important to me. As Francie said, I do live on a hill, and it's above La Brea, uh, which is, if you're not from L.A., you don't know, it's a, a major artery through the uh, west side of the city. And La Brea it goes, Tar Pits. Yes, the La Brea Tar Pits are there, but, but not right where I live. But anyway, it runs north to south, generally. And where I live, there is a stretch where there's like a mile with no lights. And so there's a lot of cars that go fast there. And, you know, I, I have to admit that there have been times when, you know, I'm in a rush and I go fast. But when I see how fast these cars go, because I've been doing a lot of work outside in yeah. my house and I'm on that hill uh, on a daily basis. And I see literally tens of thousands of cars go by and you invariably always hear a loud throttling engine it's usually either a you know camaro or a dodge charger or some supercar some muscle car yeah flying up or down the hill and the other night i was in my house and i heard such a noise but then i heard oh that's the worst. Thing. It is. And I, uh, you know, of course, went outside to see what happened. And I, I was getting ready to call 911. But I already saw that there were cars that had stopped there where the accident was. 
And I just want to give you an idea of what this accident looked like. This is... Now for our Patreon subscribers, Jim has um, a photograph of the horrific aftermath of what he heard. So for those of you who don't subscribe on Patreon and you want to get us via video, find us on Patreon, best case, worst case, and subscribe. But we will post a picture of this. Yes. And this, this is a single car accident. And the Patreon subscribers can see that the car is fully upside down at the side of the road. And you can actually see that the telephone pole has been sheared off. And I mean, completely sheared off. It looks completely splintered. violent. And, and this person was trapped in the car. Now, I don't know if this person was racing or if this person was just going fast or if this person just lost control for some other reason. But I heard the car skid out and, it, you know, I can tell what it's sound, what the sound means. I mean, it's sliding, it's skidding. It's not, it wasn't breaking. It was spinning, sliding. It could someone under the influence too. It could have been, but I, you know, I understood. I mean, within 15 minutes, they had gotten the person out and, and, and raced the person away from the scene in an ambulance. And I tried to look up and see if there was any more information, but there really wasn't any more information that I could find online. But last night at, I, you know, I think somewhere around six, no, seven, seven or eight o'clock, uh, a little bit after sunset, um, cars started pulling up along the side of the road in exactly that position. First, there were a few, and then there was five, and then there was 10, and then there was 20, and then there was 30. And they pulled all along the side of the road, and these people were getting out because of the way they were. They're pulling on the right side of the road, so their car doors opened on the left side so into traffic. They pulled over there, and it became obvious that they were doing an impromptu, looked like memorial service. So like I'm, I'm assuming that, that the person may have passed away, but it could have been a vigil and they may have been hoping that the person doesn't pass away, but it was clearly a moment. However, they were so reckless and people were actually, because they had this, you know, thought and they, they, I could see that they were ma ma mainly young people. And I could see that, and they, you know, they had this thought that what we're doing is important, but there was no there was no police officer there making sure the traffic didn't go near them and cars would come up. It happens to be on a bend, which is why it's so dangerous. So dangerous. And and the cars are speeding up and then, you know, in the right lane. And then at the last minute, realizing that there's all these stopped cars. So they they move over into the next lane. But if there's cars in the next lane, what we're looking at is a potential accident or yeah. somebody not being able to stop because so many cars come in fast. And I predicted, I actually said to my friends when I was looking at this, watch, we're going to see one of those Dodge Chargers come flying up here any moment. And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, a Dodge Charger comes racing up the hill, but then slows down, sees all the cars parked on the side, doesn't know what's going on. So slowly goes up and stops for a second where all this crowd was gathered. And then after, you know, 30 seconds or so, just floors it, just races away at high speed. I could hear that engine race for like a mile. And, you know, for some reason, 
I mean, people think that these streets are, you know, a, a, you know, Lamont's track. Well, you know what it is, Jim? I mean, it's part of what this episode is all about. Soft on crime policies lead people to hold the law in contempt. And that's all kinds of laws, whether it's battery laws or murder or robbery or theft or traffic laws. And I think ever since the pandemic, people have gone a little bit crazy. Yeah, well, I think, Francie, I know I remember when when I got in my car during the pandemic and there were no cars on the streets, there were no cars on the highways. It, it was a little ridiculous sitting there at red lights. I mean, when you could see there's nothing coming in any direction. And, you know, I think this was a this was a topic that we dealt with in Manhunt Unabomber, um, where in one scene, uh, the lead character who was playing Jim Fitzgerald um, basically was at a light and he realized because, you know, basically it was a it was late at night and nobody else was on the streets that he's sitting there at this light, you know, trying to maintain the integrity of the laws. And it's kind of uh, ridiculous at this point. So I think people had that epiphany during the pandemic when they were on the street where they, there was nobody else. And now they've basically, you know, it was so ingrained in them to follow the rules before but then they just got they just quit following yeah. the rules. I mean, I've been I'm a rule follower. If I'm, no. I'm if it's the middle of the night and I'm at a stop sign or a light, I wait. I mean, I just can't help myself. I just do it. I just wait. It's so ingrained. But things have changed. And that brings up the other case that I wanted to talk about that is a case. And it's right here in L.A. And I kept hearing about it uh, after I got to L.A. I've been here since Monday. Well, this past Saturday, a 31 year old man. Uh, it it. I mean, it's it's such a shocking it's such a shocking case. There was a South Los Angeles and Compton crash uh, or late at night on Saturday, and this Mercedes that was driven by a 31 year old man named Gregory Black was going 100 miles an hour, Jim, on the streets of L.A., which is not the speed limit anywhere in this whole country, but much less in L.A., on the streets, on the city streets, running lights. And he ran one light and plowed into an Uber that was carrying four young women and a driver. The three young women in the back seat of that Uber, two sisters in their 20s and their friend also in her 20s, were all killed instantly. One of them was in, was ejected from the car. The yeah. crash was so violent. But so that's a horrible case. And that person is going to be facing charges of vehicular manslaughter. But that's not what makes the case enraging to me, Jim. Hey, Best Case, Worst Case listeners, Jim here, and I'm interrupting your regularly scheduled program to introduce you to a new thrilling podcast called Betrayal on the Bayou. It's going to have you hooked immediately. For almost two decades, DEA agent Shad Scott stopped at nothing to put drug dealers behind bars. He controlled a web of informants and played people like pawns. His successes earned him awards from his superiors, but his willingness to bend the rules made enemies of his fellow agents. 
and gave him a terrifying reputation on the streets. Think of a real-life training day or The Wire. Betrayal on the Bayou gains exclusive insight into the elusive world of the DEA and the hidden truth behind the war on drugs with access to the FBI's war room. You'll hear from high-level drug dealers and the informants who turn them in. The story of Chad Scott puts you on the front lines to see how the war on drugs is really waged. From Sony Music Entertainment, listen weekly wherever you get your podcasts. What makes it enraging is that Mr. Black is on probation right now here in California for attempted murder in a drive-by gang shooting that he took place, that he took part in two years ago. So two years ago, he tried to kill someone and George Gascon, the DA here, who we've talked about before, gave him probation, just straight probation for attempted, attempted murder. murder as a gang member. And as he plowed into these three beautiful young women, he had a loaded gun sitting on the seat next to him in the car. Was he running from something? Was he running to something? I don't know. But, but there's no reason. That he car became a murder weapon. Yes, that's exactly right, Jim. What well, is going on? What is happening with these soft on crime policies that are literally killing people? Mr. Black should have been in prison right now. And those three young women would still be alive to live their lives, get married, have children, not have children, whatever their choices are, be a success in life to be with their families through all their families' milestones. And now this week, their family is burying two of those two of their daughters yeah. together. Well, as you know, Francie, um, we, our family, we, uh, we lost our sister-in-law exactly the same way. A guy yeah. was driving 107 miles an hour on a street, 107 miles an hour. Luckily, he was convicted of second degree murder. And that's what it is. When you put the car, you know, 6,000 pounds of metal, you know, at that high speed, it it's impossible to stop it in enough time to save anybody that's in your path. And you do that recklessly. You know, he was high, you know, smoking all day and taking Xanax. And, you know, this guy went out and killed my sister-in-law and almost killed my nephew. And, you know, really, really made his life almost impossible. I mean, it was so difficult. It's still difficult for him. You know, what happened, you know, as well, a result and, of that crash. And, you know, and just several months ago on the same street, I told you La Brea on the same street, there were people driving. There was a family driving with their newborn baby. Oh God. And a woman came down the hill on Stalker. No, Slauson came down the hill on Slauson at over 80 miles an hour, I don't know, but there's a video out there, it's horrific, of her just plowing through this intersection and oh. smashing into this car, going right through the back of this car, killing the entire family. Oh. And literally, people were ejected on fire. Oh. It was that, uh, it was unbelievable. And there was a memorial there at that corner. It's a big intersection of La Brea and, and Slauson. And 
it, it there was a moral there for months there were people there uh, you know every day just it was I, so I, many families were ruined impacted it's impacted it's horrible and the thing is this is every bit as serious a crime as you know pulling out a gun and shooting someone yes. in the face i mean you are using that vehicle as a weapon and something is happening in this country that is breeding disrespect for the law and so people don't care I don't know what they're doing. I don't understand why they're doing it. I certainly don't understand why the DA in, in L.A. County, George Gascon, would have given straight probation to a gang member who tried to murder someone in a drive-by shooting. But that's what he got, straight probation. Five years of probation. Jim, it's not like he even got 20 or 30 years of probation. Five years of probation for attempted murder. And two years later, he has now killed three beautiful young women Another young woman friend of theirs was also in the car. She survived. Imagine how difficult right, that's, that's going to be for her. The Uber driver, she was also seriously injured, but looks like she's going to survive. But the impacts, the scatter on impacts to, to these uh, crimes are just going to be enormous for people for the rest of their lives. And now he's looking at substantial jail time. But my question is, Will he get it? I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. even trust the DA's well, office here. Is he to even going right. to be kept in jail I don't pending know. the trial? They're never kept in jail here. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand how that is anymore. You take someone's life, you should sit in jail. I mean, there's probable cause he's in the car. You have witnesses. It's not like it's a it's not like it's a whodunit. Right. So I, I don't know what's going on out there, everybody. Um, out here. Well, everywhere, um, really, but especially in L.A. I don't know what is happening here with these soft on crime policies. I don't know why people who live in L.A. have voted for the D.A. I don't know why people in L.A. didn't vote to recall him. But I do know, Jim, that there are at least, I think, four assistant D.A.s currently in his office that have declared they are running against him in 2024. Good, good. Vote for somebody else, for God's sake. Good. Vote him out. He is horrific for the criminal justice system. my god almost anyone would be better he's just justifying totally undermining the entire justice system yes. the entire system because if you this is the ultimate point in the system this is the place where accountability is held yes and there is no accountability anymore no. you can look i i, I could tell you stories after stories of friends of mine who walk into a store and it just gets inundated with people and they just smash and grab everything and they go and nobody does anything. Nobody does anything. Of course no. not. But see, so Jim, here's my also question. You've got elected judges here in L.A. who signed off on that plea, who allowed the D.A. to recommend a sentence of five years probation and agreed to accept it. So that is there are three parties, right? There are three parties in the criminal justice system here. You've got defense attorneys who, of course, want the lowest possible sentence. I don't even blame them for that. You've got prosecutors who are supposed to be seeking justice and public safety. They're and, supposed to be and representing the people. That's right. The people, including the victims including of this the crime. victims of the crime. And then third, you have the judiciary who is supposed to be the bulwark against injustice. But here, apparently, are just rubber stamping what the DA's office wants to do. So whatever you're doing, voters of L.A. County, do something different. It's not just L.A., though. No, it's all over the country. You're right. I it was is all over talking the to those two detectives in New York, and they're saying the exact same thing is happening there. These are big cities and the crime rates are going up and the murder rates are going up. It's they are. it's horrific. I know 
that there was, you know, in 2020, 2021, there was a big in, increase in, you know, violent crimes from homeless people who have sort of inundated this city. California, I mean, L.A. has a big percentage California of the California has 60 percent of the country's homeless and population. And I think most of them are between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Yes, that's right. And, you know, these are these are human beings who should be somewhere in a house somewhere. They should be taken care but of. But they should not be on the street and lawless. I mean, it's it's a horrible situation. It is. I was attacked by three homeless guys. I, what A week later, I heard uh, a store owner talking about a guy who came in off the streets, a homeless guy who attacked a customer with a knife. There was a whole rash of stabbings um, that that have happened. And there's just the break ins and the mm-hmm. snatch and grabs and, and the, the follow on home from wherever you go. I mean, we're going out to dinner uh, this weekend, Jim, when my sister gets here, I'm not going to say where, but we're going out to dinner. And I mean, I, you know, I'm a bit of a jewelry girl and I will not be taking my jewelry. I will not be wearing it. Right. I'm not wearing it into, into um, Hollywood. I'm not I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to take that sort of a a chance of being followed and then attacked. But so contempt for the law breeds further contempt for the law. And you've got no law and order going on right now in these major cities. And I don't understand it. And so the voters of this country need to stand up. It's not a political thing. It is a right and wrong criminal justice thing. You need to be voting for the people who will tell you that they are going to put criminals in jail where they belong they're going to protect the public from them and even that's if you just do. want it to be violent criminals yeah violent and sexual crimes even if you just limit it to that it will make the community so much, so safer. much safer if you want to say okay look white collar crime it hurts people financially maybe we don't need to lock them up pending trial maybe we don't need to put them in jail for a long term i don't know but some of them, I mean, I well, put away one sure. bad guy who who was, you know, who was paying off witnesses and threatening people and kidnapping people, well, trying to get away. Yes, it is a violent criminal. But the fact is that this whole thing about letting violent people out on the streets and basically putting putting everyday citizens at risk. Well, these three beautiful these 20 girls, I mean, their, their parents and their dead. brothers and sisters and their they're aunts dead and uncles and cousins. They're dead because of the policies of George Gascon and whoever the judge is that sentenced uh, Mr. Black. I mean, it's a, it's a horrific thing. And I'm going to follow this case, Jim, because I want to know what happens to him. I want to know what sentence he ends up getting, assuming he gets convicted uh, and you know, innocent to proven guilty. But um Assuming he gets convicted, I want to see what it is the DA's office does now. This yeah. is a very high profile case. It's made national headlines here in this country. Um, and I, I hope that justice can be done for these three young women. Right. And our hearts go out to all the people who are injured in these kinds of incidents and it's and their family members and and their loved ones. I mean, it's just it's terrible. And it's just it's something that look, this is preventable. This is why we have the prison system. This is to get violent criminals off the streets. People that can't, you know, they just can't obey or the law. Yeah. And so be safe out there, y'all. The be safe on the streets. Be safe walking around. Just be safe, y'all. And what she means is be safe out there, you people. <laughs> no, I mean y'all. Y'all. 
y'all. <laughs> Same thing, What does James. that even mean? It's in the dictionary y'all. now. Y'all is in the dictionary? It's you all. It's a contraction. It means you uh, all. It's a Southern traction. It's a Southern contraction. Exactly. Yes. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our reunion here. We certainly have enjoyed it. It's been it's been too long, Francie. It's too been long. too long. We won't go two years it's again. Great. And it's great to see people on Patreon. Thank you for subscribing. We hope you enjoy our little chats that we have with you um, and our videos. And till next time, this is Best Case, Worst Case, signing off. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production produced by Francie Hakes and Jim Clementi at Empire Studios, LA. Engineered and edited by Matt Gurgle. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba and hosted by Wondery. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to do something about child sexual abuse, Darkness Delight can help. Did you know that more than 90% of the time children are sexually abused by someone they know? Jim, this isn't about stranger danger. It's about learning the true risks. Darkness to Light's training can help prevent, recognize, and react to child sexual abuse in your community. When you make the decision to get involved, kids can be protected. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org to take the training and learn more. That's d, the number two, l, dot org.